Welcome to Be and Think in the House of Trust. My name is Servan Moisant from Conscious Innovation, and this is a thinking environment with people who ignite social and environmental impact through their investment of funds, resources, and commitments for a better world. We look at the conditions that generate more trust and more effective and kind collaborations, how we challenge ourselves and do some work that enables us to tell each other, you matter. I'm really pleased to have Temuera Ho with us. He's a portfolio manager at Tahito Limited, based in Auckland, New Zealand. He'll tell us more about where he is in the world. And then at Tahito, they believe that by investing in companies that align with the Maori values, they can create a world for mokopuna, future generations, to thrive. And we're going to take a moment to reflect on Temuera's thoughts and inspiration about impact finance and what the world needs to know about indigenous ethical investing and what he learned by bringing Maori wisdom to the financial markets. Hi, Tim Wera. Kia ora, kia ora, Svein. So what do you have around you normally when you're at home that represents who you are and what you believe in? As the Indigenous people of New Zealand, we introduce ourselves as what we call a pepeha. That's what defines us, our tribe, and where we're from. And it's connected to the environment. My pepeha is ko tongariro te maunga, ko taupo nui a te te moana, ko ngāti te iwi. So uh, we, most tribes have a sacred mountain. Our mountain, our sacred mountain is Tongariro, which is in the central North Island, snow-capped mountain. And then we have a big freshwater lake. That's Lake Taupo. Then our tribe is called Ngāti Tūwharetō. So we're central to the island. So we're not coastal tribes. We're an inland tribe. And our survival, our sustenance is from forests, mountains, lakes and rivers. So we capture all that in our introduction. And then you introduce your tribe, our tribal name, all your tribes are named after an ancestor. When you introduce yourself, you introduce your ancestors and because we only exist because we descend from our ancestors. So the us living today, we're just a manifestation of all the generations before us. So we're the least important people in the room. What, uh, you know, if you think of the Māori concept, you actually go, well, who do you descend from? Not who are you? Okay. I'm noticing that you're not in a usual environment today, and but I still see that there's a forest and a mountain next to you. Can you tell us more about that, how you carry your original, your origin with you when you travel? Yeah, well, we're fortunate enough to be in Taiwan because my wife's role is the trade commissioner here in uh, Taiwan for New Zealand. And uh, mm-hmm. where we live is at the base of Yangmingshan Mountain. And it's uh, Taiwan is a beautiful mountainous island and uh, we're fortunate to be uh, surrounded by a lot of uh, well cared for parks and then you know, only have to walk a short distance and we're into the into their forest but it's pretty steep country you've got to be fit to be able to walk up and around in these hills <laughs> uh, we actually come from here about five or six thousand years ago they've traced it through linguistics dna and anthropology they our journey from the indigenous people in taiwan down through the Pacific and then all the way to Aotearoa, New Zealand. So we connect with the Indigenous people back here and uh, we can trace our genealogical lineage all the way back here and beyond. But that's we'll get into that maybe if we have time. (laughs) 
Okay. So let's talk about Tahito. Just to set the tone, how do you define ethical and sustainable investing from your perspective? Well, let's let's start like this. Manuhu te tapu o taito ki taito kōro taito wānanga. Manuhu te tapu o taito ngāwari taito hau, taito mārangaranga. Manuhu te tapu o taito. So that's a, a little short incantation to invoke our ancestors and give context to our presentation. But what that actually says, it talks about empowering our traditional words, empowering their meaning, their knowledge that's contained within, empowering their simplicity, their uniqueness, and their clarity. So it's about empowering our traditional knowledge. And, of course, our traditional knowledge was developed over thousands of years, and it's an in-depth knowledge and understanding of nature and astrology. We were, we were massive stargazers back in the day. When we talk about ethical and sustainable investing, we're talking about our connection that we have to the environment and to all aspects of the environment because our, our Māori worldview follows nature's law effectively. It's, it's, it's relatively simple. We have spirituality is, is strong and it's a big part of, uh, of our world, as, as it is with most Indigenous cultures. But the problem with spirituality is a lot of the West, a lot of the other cultures in the Western world, it gets caught up in religion and it's nothing to do with religion. Uh, so we just sort of park that over there. But if you follow nature's law, and it's pretty simple, really, it's common sense. Mm. People can't survive without the environment. So we put the environment before people and then people before profit. And so it's putting finance and economics back in its place. I mean, because at the end of the day, it's a construct made by humans for society to exist. So if you then apply that to investing, we just look at the ethics that have come out of our culture and you know combine that with sustainability, which is common sense environmental knowledge, and we use, we've just developed a, an assessment tool, which we call Te Kōwhiringa Tapu, which is, sounds like a flash, mighty word, word, but its simple translation is careful selection. Which literally, we just follow that pattern. We, When we analyse companies for our portfolio, so just to give, uh, give that some context, our first fund we developed is an Australasian equities fund. So we're looking at all the listed uh, companies on the Aus Australian and New Zealand share market. So we're in our backyard, you know, and those markets are a reasonable size that we can uh, we can manage. And so we 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 look at the environmental metrics and measures first, mm -hmm. then the social measures, and you know quality of leadership, which sort of gets into your governance. So, you know, it's we we purposely structure it into that ESG, so that people can understand it, yeah. you know. Because everyone's people will go to what they're familiar with, so they understand ESG. We just add the C component on, which is that cultural, that cultural element. Yeah. And then once once we've done once we've done that, that's when we start doing our financial. Like you know, we're still in investment managers, so we still do our financial analysis, our valuation methodologies, and our portfolio construction. But that's the normal stuff. Everyone does that. Yeah. So what I'm hearing, if I just recap, you've got. Your ancestors, your, your the mighty warriors and the stargazers, the great ocean sailors, all of that line lineage from many centuries of um, in-depth observation of nature, astronomy, all of this has helped your ancestors travel around over the seas, 
and you capture their, well, you inherit their knowledge and that helps your screening. And you start with environment, then social, the cultural, and then the governance. Mm. What a beautiful way to re-explain ESG, which uh, creates a lot of waves at the moment. What's your take on all that hula around ESG? I mean, I question how well people actually understand ESG. Because at the end of the day, it's a measurement tool. It's a set of measures hmm. uh, which, when applied well, are very useful in, in uh, developing a good ethical and sustainable and impactful portfolios. I mean, we we use an, the e, the MSCI ESG system, so I don't have to go and get all the data myself. It comes through uh, on my on my laptop. Um, but you know, it's there's thousands of data points. So while there is some question mark around uh, the quality of that data, and since we've been involved, which is a good seven odd years now with ESG, that data quality is getting better. There's a lot more validation around that. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't think many people realise that ESG in itself has no ethics or values or sustainability. That's what the 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 investment manager, the fund manager, or the you know the analyst has to bring with them. Mm -hmm. All of this is just a measurement of stuff. But if you now how if you now know how to apply it, so what what I see happening is a lot of funds now they will say we have we integrate ESG or we use ESG measures, but all they do is basic exclusions. So they might say we'll cut out tobacco. We've got no tobacco and we've got no uh, pornography uh, or alcohol producers mm -hmm. to that effect. But just about all of them will have uh, exceptions to the negative screening. Mm -hmm. You know, they will say, we've got no alcohol, but actually if it's under 5%, it's okay. So they don't have, uh, they don't have pure exclusions, which are absolute, where we do, you know, because we're trying to protect the, the, our traditional knowledge uh -huh. and our, and our, the narratives of our ancestors. Well, we don't. We're not going to give any exceptions to what we do. We, we're going to make it 100. percent So when we say we've got no fossil fuels, we say we've got no fossil fuels at all across our portfolio, as best as we can, and and measure it. So what you end up with is a lot of fund managers. Really, they just avoid harm. End of story. Right. That's it, that's easy stuff to do. You can take an index fund, cut out a few. Uh, companies and then you call it a responsible investment fund and that's the that's the bulk of the market mm. you know they're looking for low cost they just want to they want to hug the index have a low tracking error and still try and have a green label on their portfolio to make it pretty yeah mm. so we're we're firmly of the view that if you want to be uh, have a strong uh well high level of ethics and sustainability into into any investment product, then it has to be active. You can't be you can't be a passive investor. Mm, so pure intention, really active intention. Mm. And Tamara, I've read on you know on your own material that you have derived nine initial value statements that might even be a good score actually to get these fund managers started. And I will need your help to pronounce that correctly in your uh, language. But the value statements are. So relational, interdependent, balanced, consensual, complementary, mm -hmm. reciprocal, cooperational, 
harmony, cyclical. And this strikes me, I love etymology, as you might not know, but some people who listen to these podcasts will know that the words for me are really important. When I see these words, they're all, they have some overlap. They're really dancing well together. They help each other. They support each other. How do you use these value statements with your, you know, with your peers or within your, you know, as you start relationship with investees? Or even when you educate other fund managers. <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting. I mean, we, we got given the license when we set this up because we partner with a bigger investment shop mm-hmm. and uh, they gave us the license to to build this. So we had two years of uh, R&D effectively and, and then testing um, their our outcome. And so, you know, we with that unencumbered ability, we just went deep into our ancestral knowledge with colleagues of mine that they're, they're very knowledgeable in, in, our, in our traditional practices and our traditional philosophy. And it's about understanding that, you know, that same natural law again and being living in harmony with nature. Before we were colonised, we did. We, we had, uh, when it was arguably subs- it was subsistence living, but... There was no, it wasn't wasteful. We we didn't have metal products or anything. So we live pretty close to nature and in harmony with nature. So when we this together and we looked at it and said, well, actually, we're talking about behavioral change. And we thought, oh, we're just going to get laughed out of the room here. People aren't going to understand what that means. Mm-hmm. The leading academics and, uh, you know, the leaders in, in the space, when you need transformation, which is what we need, transition's lovely, but that's too little, too slow. You know, we, we need transformation if we want to address these issues of climate change and biodiversity loss. And that transformation is it still needs to be led by people. And the people need to have a behavior or leadership practices which are aligned to these sorts of values. So that's our that's our starting point. Now to get from a traditional Māori value like you've like you've outlined, you know, we call it Fanonga Tangata Wao. That's relationship. That's know your connection to the world you live in. That's literally what that says. But to get from there into something that we could use and apply into our uh, analysis, or our screening, because we use a positive scoring system again, which is another thing that probably sets us apart as opposed to just negative screens. So it's a lot more work. But here we, we, we created an abstract statement in english that best captured that understanding and then we kept then we had to do as a three-step process then we wrote a a applied understanding <clears throat> and from that applied understanding we could then go and find the measures we need that best reflect that when we say we integrate with esg we say we integrate with esg on a values basis in other words, we select ESG measures best aligned to our set of values, and then we. Uh, but the the bulk of our research is direct research; it's qualitative. Mm-hmm. It's there's no hard data. It's about looking across a whole lot of things and then making a judgment call. Mm-hmm. But you know, because we're relatively small across New Zealand and Australia, that we it's easier for us to engage with the companies and with the you know with LinkedIn and the. And the governance, and 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 ask our questions, mm-hmm. which uh, gives us a more informed understanding of 
whether they are just followers or whether they're leaders, whether they are just doing enough to be compliant or whether they are really driving, you know, to bring about change and, and bring about impact and, and make a difference and, and really improve. Yeah, so, so yeah, we, we at one level, we say we're measuring behaviour change. I like to throw out um, Albert Einstein's quote. You know, he says, you cannot solve problems with the same thinking you use to create them. So it's a different way of thinking. That's what an Indigenous worldview brings. Yeah. As I said, we don't put finance and economics in the centre. They're the last step of our process. Mm. They're just peripheral tools that also create some sort of translation for people, but the core of it is transformation, intention, behavior, uh, behavioural change, and that's informed by thousands and thousands and thousands of years of practice and results. What, what more? What more should they want? <laughs> so, um, Temuer, can you give us an example or two of companies in your Tahito investment portfolio that, that were chosen because of that, thanks to that approach? Yeah, we, we, we probably need to add in, uh, uh, there's another layer. We call it the Takumanaki Tangawatas, which is ethics of care. Mm. So there's, there's the behavior stuff, which again is very much um, uh, qualitative in nature to understand that. And it's you have to take a holistic approach, I suppose. The, the, again, another base understanding of our Māori worldview is it's interrelated. Everything, everything is connected. Nothing exists of itself. Mm -hmm. And so, again, that's an understanding, which I'm hearing more and more, uh, you know, when I go to conferences and seminars and, and uh, listen to people talk on the space, they're really understanding that to bring about this change, we actually have to change ourselves. You know, it's, it's almost a spiritual shift that we need in, in humans to, uh, to break this exploitative, uh, you know, uh, insatiable um, drive for sort of material wealth and uh, and power and you know self self gratification mm -hmm. sort of thing. And, and to move to uh, uh, you know these values of humility and of um, selflessness effectively mm -hmm. and that's what these are the values that sort of underpin our culture but the ethics of care they're talking about now caring for your staff and your whanau, caring for your communities caring for the environment. You know, ethics, diversity, inclusion, it's gender diversity, it's caring for the environment and, and caring for the universe. We get into the space that, uh, which we reserve for ourselves to a large extent, but people are starting to understand it. So I'll try and put this in the into best English I can. We got this, we, we got this one measure called Te Pai o Ranginui. Now, Ranginui is Sky Father. For ease of understanding, I mean, it, it almost belittles our culture to talk in the in the concept of sky father and earth mother because it's too basic. But a lot of people can understand that we connect ourselves. Our existence traces itself back to earth and sky, mm -hmm. and then we have a whole lot of knowledge that goes beyond that, which is effectively our version of the of the creation. Mm -hmm on how earth and sky come about. Now, this is this was reserved knowledge for our sort of what would be considered someone as a as a professor or a doctor, doctorate or PhD nowadays. You know, we we had a we had our traditional universities but then this this knowledge was preserved. So let's just try and keep this easy. Te Paiorangi, 
that's the sky. So anything that pokes a hole in the sky or is polluting the sky, mm -hmm. we're not going to be happy with. So we have an aspirational target of zero carbon, zero contaminating emissions. And so we measure against that. Then the other one is what we call te poho papatūnuku. Papatūnuku is Earth Mother. Te poho is her chest or her breast. Mm -hmm. And uh, we want to protect that. That you know that leans to leans towards measurements like zero waste to landfill, zero pollution, zero fossil fuels, positive biodiversity regeneration, those sorts of measures. So you can see how we get from there into some measures, and those measures exist. You know, and they're getting better. Then we have what we call mana taurite, which is a race and gender equality. Mm -hmm. Now this is a tough one for the from a Western perspective. Mm -hmm. So we thought, well, let's have a measure of a one to ten ratio, and that what that talks about is the wage ratio between, say, your CEO is generally the highest, and the median wage in that country, and of course it's New Zealand and Australia. So the median wage here is roughly about sixty thousand. So times that by ten. So that means the top person gets six hundred thousand, and then we go, well, look, we've all only got twenty four hours in the day. Explain to me why. And the S&P 500 now, that ratio is one to over 350. Mm -hmm. Why do people need to be paid that much? And by the way, that's shareholders' funds, right? But this is the way the world's developed. It's like sports people get ridiculous amounts of money. Again, it's about the self, the individual self, and how much am I worth? And we all know in a, in a balanced world, for one person to get uh, 100 times more than the next, Others are missing out, right? Absolutely. We measure the wage ratio between the highest and lowest, and we give it a score. Remember, it's a positive score system. Mm -hmm. There's not many listed companies that will meet that target, of course, but there are private um, entities out there that are really on board with these this sort of thinking. So it's then the, then there's uh, Te Hapuri Whanui, which is about looking after the the communities that you impact upon. Right. And... Um, most companies are very good now at their community giving, but we look for the ones that are actually doing doing it doing that the best. I mean, it's it's part of our problem with the capitalist system is there's it's default uh, haves and have nots. So while there might be questions around the the uh, quality and the uh, in, in the integrity of of charities and philanthropy and all that goes on, at the end of the day, uh, a lot of our sports clubs our you know just our community groups and community efforts can't survive without corporate giving if we just accept that's a it's it's a part of it our measure there then is 10 percent of net profit after tax now when we put that measure up we thought we're not going to find any companies that do that they give that much of their net profit and then uh, we we sort of got floored when we come across mm -hmm. a uh, it was it's another ethical uh, fund out of australia that has that baked into their constitution of 10% uh, net profit to their foundation. So, you know, the, there's this really some really good stuff that exists. Mm -hmm. But the, what I was sort of a long way of getting to these two key ones, which uh, link more back to our cultural worldview and our cultural thinking. And the, that's one's called Tenako Aroha, which is about selflessness and compassionate leadership. Mm -hmm. That's looking for leaders that uh, you know they they, they want to bring an end to wealth concentration. They got a better view of what you know how they want the world to be, and they're they're into transforming 
their businesses. And, you know, they so they prioritise the environment, they prioritise uh, the communities and community well-being. They have this high level of selflessness and compassion. Then we've got this one that's probably the hardest. It's called Mori Ohoho. And this is your life life force. This is well-being, I suppose. The big, best uh, English word is, is, measure, is well-being. Now, there isn't many measures that exist around these last two. So it's quite subjective. You you know, you almost got to look for just little, little things that are going on. And it's all the collection of a whole lot of little things that all add up and go, actually, there's a lot more good than bad here in what they're doing. And and then we, that's why it's it's subjective measure. Mm, mm. But that all what we're finding is as we progress down this pathway, it, it, the, before you know it, people are talking and thinking like this a lot more, and it becomes then they, then you do but develop measures. So I'm involved in another group where we are developing well-being measures based off of our cultural values alongside our New Zealand Treasury. Mm-hmm. So we you know the New Zealand's got our we've got the living standard measures and we've got this other model that sits alongside it called uh Te Ara Waiora, which is a Māori well-being measurement system which is not too dissimilar from uh, how we approach it so when you look at all that and you go and then come back to your question so what's a couple of companies that look good in this space in Australia there's a company called Brambles now That'd be a logistics company uh, in their simplicity. So they have a lot of pallets, like wooden pallets, that literally people stack stuff on and then they move them from one place to another. Because then then you've got to look at, well, what are the models out there that now best align to this way of thinking and what we're trying to measure? Well, it's true cost accounting, it's circular economy, you know, it's companies that are trying to take waste out of the system, that are trying to, it's the reuse, reduce, regenerate mm-hmm. type thinking, and they're building it into their into their thinking, into their planning, into their systems, into their infrastructure. They're trying to take the embedded carbon out of what they're doing, and they're, and they're really serious about that. Well, Brambles is one of those sort of companies that it's a huge multinational company, but based out of Australia, that... Uh, probably leading, and then they're recognised for their leadership in bringing circular economy principles and transforming. And this is the difference between people transforming a business as opposed to just transitioning to a to a low carbon. You know, transformation is the key word. Now, Tim, to close our thinking moment here, I wonder: is it something that really? Um, surfaced for you, learning or a takeaway or something that's really high in your mind right now that you carry with you from all this experience? Ooh, big question. <laughs> for my own sort of personal development, I challenge myself every day to, to whether I'm, I can be true to these values because it's really hard when you've been raised and educated in a system which is driven towards, you know, the economic models that we live in and and behaviours around expenditure and, you know, consumerism. To really say this, the selflessness and this humility, is that something I can stand by? Well, when you get a bit older, it's a bit easier, I think. <laughs> you know, you, you give up your, your dreams of being a, a famous sportsman or, a, you know, or a celebrity, 
you know, when you're young, you sort of all that stuff runs through your head unless unless you click on to this higher self, higher state of being or connectedness. So uh, if, if there's anything, like the one thing that I carry, and but it's very much a cultural thing, it's we, we put the collective over the individual mm. because that's a, another form of selflessness. Mm-hmm. But when we say we're connected to the environment, we actually have a genealogical connection that goes all the way back to earth and sky and, as I said, beyond. So it goes beyond humans. Now, we'd be one of the only indigenous cultures, I think, that still has this and has maintained it and uh, have this knowledge set around that. So w- when we trace our whole uh, history and uh, you know, our path through through life, it goes again beyond humans, back to your basic um, factors that requires for life to exist, and it shows you how it all connects. Mm. It might seem strange to a lot of people, but we quite comfortably say, yep, yeah, I'm 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 related to that tree, to that bird, to that insect, to that water, because we can trace that connection. Right. And that's the missing link, right? Yeah. That was the missing link, but you were learned and it's embedded and it's totally ingrained in your yeah. in your lineage, in your way of being, in your community. Yeah. Wonderful. But then every indigenous culture has that. Yeah. It's just a lot of it's been with the you know colonization and uh, what they faced, a lot of it has been lost. But we're all on the need to rebuild this connection. Mm-hmm. And then when you look at where this big drive towards hum, its harmony and balance, mm-hmm. you know, the, those behaviours, to be living back in harmony with nature and, and uh, well, then you've got to reconnect with nature. And that's that's ultimately our, our purpose, reconnecting people with nature and understanding that uh, relationship. You know, we, we have to have it. We can't survive without without nature. That's a fantastic takeaway call, an invitation for people, not just in our community, but for for everyone else who might have heard this uh, story and this approach and evidence that you have that it does make a difference. It transforms the world when you apply these indigenous thinkings. Uh, We might want to add, uh, we actually perform really well. We still outperform out of the benchmark. So, you know, we, we can do all this and still provide a competitive return to investors and uh, we're better than most. You know, so that's that's the surprising upside of this. Wonderful. What more do you think, feel, or want to say and how we can use Indigenous knowledge, not use, I don't like the word use, but how we can be inspired and transform ourselves and our community through this? I would love to hear your insights. So, Make sure you subscribe to the show and share this episode and for more insights, events, and resources on how to think independently for yourself and as yourself and ignite your social impact. Head to my website at sylvanmoison.co.uk and subscribe to my regular Conscious Innovation updates. The links are all in the notes. You can also find each other on all the social media platforms and, and start a conversation. I'd love to hear from you. So goodbye for now. Goodbye, Tenny. <laughs>